0: This is Jim Pruitt, and you listen to another episode of the Farm So Hard Podcast. So I farm so hard, employees want to find me, and then want to hire me, what's a hundred K to a guy like me, could you please remind me, farm so hard, this ain't easy, working late nights, you best believe me, my grades can only go ace. never want to see another B on some jay farm so hard, What's good, I'm your host, Jim Pruitt, aka Farm D&D, ED, and and i am you another episode of the Farm So Hard podcast. Today I have a really good one for you guys today, and we're going to be talking about the use of dexmedetomidine, or Presidex, for procedural sedation in the ER. But before I jump into that, I have a few announcements. Our Fun in the Sun tour has been phenomenal. We've been to Denver, we've been to Chicago, we've been to Orlando, and it's been just one of the best things I've ever done. And so cool to be able to meet everyone and just have a good time outside and explore the different cities. We're going to be going to Atlanta. Again, that's basically my my ED home. I've been going back and forth there for the last four years, and it's a phenomenal place. We're going to be having a special one when we talk about gun violence reduction and child abuse. So it's going to be a ton of my ED physicians coming out and trauma surgeons coming out. And we're going to talk about all the different aspects to that. And we have another little surprise for you guys once we get there. So again, definitely go to the show notes and check that out. We have our Fun in the Sun tour information everywhere online. So let's jump into some pharmacology. When thinking of dosing, one of the things before we even talk about the exact dosing is realizing that errors have occurred quite commonly, and ISMP has put out some statements about this in 2018 and 2020, about clinicians misinterpreting the dosing information in the units because the maintenance dose is expressed in mics per kilo per hour. When we're talking about procedural sedation, the dosing that we're going to see when given IB can be a loading dose of 0.5 to 1 micrograms per kilograms over 10 minutes. And you're going to follow that up by a continuous infusion of about 0.2 to 1 mics per kilogram per hour in titrating to the desired sedation. So this is something that can really get messed up quite a bit, but it's something we can continue to talk about in our EDs. And when speaking about the kinetics of the drug, that's something that's a little intriguing because you can have an onset of action of five to 10 minutes when giving SIV IV load and the peak effect after that's going to be anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes. And once you continue that uh, continuous infusion, that peak effect is going to be about 60 minutes. So for me, that's something that's intriguing, especially when considering the fact that I'm trying to use this for procedural sedation. And I really want something that's a little quicker on and quicker off. Now, when speaking about the mechanism of action, dexmedetomidine is an alpha-2 adreceptor agonist with anesthetic and sedative properties. Thought to be due to the activation of G proteins by the alpha-2A receptor in the brainstem resulting in inhibition of norepinephrine release, peripheral alpha-2B adreceptor agonist. Are activated at high doses and with rapid IV administration actually results in vasoconstriction. So that's something that's a little different when it comes to dexmedetomidine. Some reverse effects to look out for is B to be bradycardia and hypotension. That's going to be from the IV dosing. But interestingly enough, and the cool thing is if you activate those alpha 2 B receptors, you can actually have some hypertension. This is one of those paradoxical effects that we can see. Uh, of course, you're going to have some, drowsiness. Again, you can have some respiratory depression, but again, with all the agents that we're using, uh, this probably going to happen the least when considering all the other agents we can talk about today. And the big question a lot of my providers ask me is pricing. It's going to be a little better than we had in the past. And realistically, we can see anything from uh, 15 to about uh, 40 bucks seems to be the range where that the hospitals can get this for. Again, it's a It's still a relatively expensive sedative agent, but again, it's not, for the most part, hundreds of dollars as it was in the past. So let me give you guys a little piece of our PACU literature review that we sent out a few days ago, and it's going to talk about one of the studies that we analyzed that utilized dexmedetomidine and ketamine for the use and procedural sedation in the emergency department. So let's jump into a little background. Procedural sedation for patients undergoing painful procedures have become a daily occurrence in the emergency department. Therefore, the use and understanding of sedative medications are very important in understanding which agent is best for hemodynamics and respiratory stability. The more common agents that we use for procedural sedation is can be propofol, ketamine, fentanyl, and midazolam. Each of those have their own things you have to consider with propofol, can cause apnea and hypotension. Ketamine can cause some emergent phenomenon and hypertension, tachycardia. Midazolam has a little longer onset of action, so it's more challenging to titrate. So the authors wanted to look at dexmedetomidine or Prestex, as it's called here in the U.S., because they thought it was an interesting alternative to propofol, with it having a little lighter sedation so the authors reported that dexmedetomidine may be an interesting alternative to propofol, And they mentioned that dexmedetomidine is a highly selective alpha-2 adrenergic receptor agonist with linear pharmacokinetic characteristics, a half-life of six minutes, and an elimination half-life of two to three hours. The mild set of effects of dexmedetomidine is similar to a physiological sleep. In therapeutic plasma concentrations, minimal respiratory depression is seen with preservation of ventilatory response to CO2. Of note, dexmedetomidine has modest analgesic effects, and it is preferred to combine it with an analgesic such as an opioid or ketamine. Of note, ketamine is an NMDA receptor antagonist that provides sedation, analgesia, and amnesia without causing respiratory depression. And the dexmedetomidine-ketamine combination has been previously studied for procedural sedation in children. And a review from 2012 concluded that this combination was effective in most studies but with longer sedation time compared with conventional therapies. The main objective of this present study was to evaluate the quality and safety of procedural sedation using the combination of dexmedetomidine and ketamine for patients undergoing painful procedures in the emergency department. The secondary objective was to evaluate how dexmedetomidine reduces ketamine-induced dissociative symptoms and prevent hypersalivation sometimes caused by ketamine. So let's jump into the study design. This was a feasibility center singer study that was conducted at an academic medical department of an urban hospital in Brussels, Belgium. And this study used a convenient sample of 30 patients. When looking at their intervention, at time zero, patients receive a bolus injection of one microgram per kilogram of dexmedetomidine over 10 minutes. Patients 65 or older received a half dose. And after the bolus dose, patients were given a continuous infusion of 0.6 micrograms per kilogram per hour of dexmedetomidine. The time to achieve constant sedation corresponding to a Ramsey sedation scale or RSS score of two or three was calculated from the start of dexmedetomidine administration and this RSS was measured by an investigator. After reaching the desired level of sedation with dexmedetomidine, patients receive an IV dose of one milligram per kilogram of ketamine. Older patients of 75 of older, received a half dose of 0.5 milligram per kilograms. The procedure was performed over one minute after the injection of ketamine. However, if patients felt any pain during the procedure, a second dose of 0.5 mix per kg of ketamine was administered. So the duration of the following three phases of sedation was measured by the authors. Sedation time corresponding to the duration between initial dexmedetomidine injection and the achievement of moderate sedation in which a patient is loaded with dexmedetomidine. Number two was the procedure time, and number three was emergence time, which was the time required to return to the pre-treatment level of verbalization and awareness. So the study included 30 patients over a period of six months, and the patients were mostly women at 63%, and a mean age of 58 years old, most patients, 19 of the 30, had an ASA score of 1, 7 had an ASA score of 2, and 2 patients had an ASA score of 3. The most common procedure performed was a wrist fracture reduction at 14, so 47% of patients, followed by a shoulder dislocation reduction at 23% of the patients, and the third highest procedure was an ankle fracture reduction at 10%. So when looking at the level of sedation, all patients reach a level of conscious sedation after injection of dexmedetomidine. After administration of ketamine, all patients enter a state of deep sedation equivalent to an RSS score of 4 or 5. No patient reached a level of sedation equivalent to RSS score of 6 or a very deep sedation. During a sedation, one case of apnea with desaturization was observed, which was resolved by a jaw thrust maneuver. There was no other respiratory complications. When looking at hemodynamics, 23 percent of the patients presented with significant arterial hypertension, which is defined as a systolic blood pressure greater than 180 after ketamine administration, one of which required drug treatment. And of course, there was no cases of hypotension, dysrhythmia or AV block occurred during the sedation. Most patients, again, 86 percent had no hemodynamic, respiratory or digestive complications during the recovery phase as well. After the procedure, one patient had transient hypotension and another patient had orthostatic symptoms when standing up. Finally, two patients had transient vertigo and vomiting during the recovery phase, and all patients had dry mouth upon awakening. Most patients, uh, 24 out of 30 felt no discomfort during the procedure. Four patients had slight discomfort and two had moderate discomfort. What was interesting was that 28 Of the 30 expressed their desire to be exedated with the same medication in the future, and 60% of the physicians reported that the procedure was easier to perform with this dexmedetomidine-ketamine combination compared with conventional agents such as propofol, ketamine, and such. So the authors concluded that this feasibility study of 30 patients undergoing procedural sedation in the emergency department suggests that the combination of dexmedetomidine and ketamine provides effective and safe sedation. But there's a few things we should really characterize. This was a very small study. It was a convenient sample use, and there is no sample size that can be calculated, again, due to the lack of previous evidence. So again, we can take all of this with a grain of salt, and I think that larger studies will definitely need to be reproduced this information but it's very intriguing because this is something that I see some of our anesthesia colleagues come down to the ED and perform. But the thing that we have to consider is timing. It took a significant amount of time to actually reach those levels of sedation with the median being 13 and a half minutes. That's quite a while. The procedure time was a median of 9.5 minutes and the emergence time was close to 22 minutes. So when looking at everything, this seemed to be a very chill phase for the patient, but it's something that we have to consider when we're doing a procedure sedation in a busy ER. Do we have the time to do this? So it's not something that I'm putting in my toolbox as of yet. I think that it can be safe if I have a significant amount of time or we're doing something for the academics of it. It's something to consider. But for me, I'm not there yet when it comes to this therapy. But again, I'm not completely against it if we have the time to do these things, because at least at this point, Is something that I consider to be relatively safe if done with a ton of people there, with myself, an experienced nurse and providers that's used to doing this or that's had previous experience with the drug. But again, it's not something I think I'm going to put in my toolbox for most patients at this time. So Prezix is a pretty interesting drug, but again, it's not necessarily going to be one of my favorite. And I've said it before, but X to me is watered down fentanyl and propofol put in one bag and you get a small amount of anachesa, a small amount of sedative effects, and it's just not enough. And I always have to use something else. So why not just use the big guns when I when I'm actually going to do a whole procedural station? Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Form So Hard. This was a little sample, again, at the back end here of our literature reviews that we're sending out in our pharmacy and acute care university, Uh, something that I've been working on for a while now and something that we're continuing to expand and getting different people on board. So whether you want to check it out and see what it's about and see how it can help you and your team, or if you're interested in actually contributing to this, uh, definitely just reach out to me online. Again, you can always reach me on Twitter at FarmD underscore in the ED, or you can reach me at our actual webpage for Pharmacy and Acute Care University at Pharmacy Acute underscore. Be on the lookout for the next tour date. We have Atlanta on the 29th, and now we're going to finish up in Charlotte. We wasn't able to make it to Boston this year due to things kind of changing up on us, but we'll make sure we, we get ourselves out there pretty soon. But let's wrap this up, guys. And you know how we do it here at Farm So Hard. You don't have to be a pharmacist, you don't have to work in the ED, but everything you do, make sure you farm so hard. <laughs> Aussie scratches his head. Whatever she's looking for, it isn't in there.